I want to start, um, they say you should never start a message with an apology, but I do need to apologize, and that is to the NBC students and staff, because I ran this past you uh, in, in a shortened form here uh, a little while ago, so you get a double dose of it, but maybe you didn't hear it the first time, so you get to hear it again, so such is life. Um, but at any rate, um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this because I met with a, a couple of other pastors a little earlier this week, and, uh, and as the three of us uh, were sitting around talking about prayer and, and a few other things, all three of us admitted that we're not as, at, as good at praying as we think we should be. Now, that's pretty sad because we're supposed to be professional prayers, but all of us tend to be doers rather than to... to um, like to, to, you know, wind up doing things rather than, than to sit and, and pray, and we find it hard. Uh, and if I need to learn, then surely probably the rest of us need to learn as well. And so uh, I want to give you some principles, and what we're going to do is to pull apart over the next few weeks between now and when we start Advent at the end of uh, November, uh, we're going to start pulling apart the Lord's Prayer and see what we can learn from that. And uh, I think there's a, an awful lot there for us to be learned. I grew up with this prayer in several languages. The home I grew up in, my dad said the Lord's Prayer every meal before we, as, as we sat down to eat, dad always said the Lord's Prayer. And then we prayed afterwards, after the meal. And um, dad, it was a little more impromptu, but, but the Lord's Prayer was said every, every meal. And, and so then I came to Canada and lo and behold, I went to the public school and we had to endure uh, a Bible reading and then stand beside our desks and recite the Lord's Prayer every, um, every morning in class before we started class. And the teacher would walk up and down between the rows and whack any of us that weren't talking. Um, now, the tendency that I found coming from where I do in terms of my church background is that uh, evangelical churches tend to be a little leery of anything that smells like liturgy, anything that smells like uh, this is scripted, this is written, uh, and, and yet I come from that kind of a background. Uh, and, and there's two things that you can say about that. One is that many evangelical churches have an unwritten liturgy. In other words, you know, we're so used to doing things a certain way that if we mix that up, sometimes people ask what we're doing. And the second thing that needs to be said is that the Lord's Prayer contains riches that need to be mined. And uh, we think sometimes we know it all, but I think there are riches in there that we can mine. So let me read for you uh, the story. Um, let's start in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, and I'll read through uh, the end of verse 15. Jesus said, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. To be seen by them, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you, and when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, 
they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so there's some principles. You ask yourself the question, why does the Lord give us a pattern for prayer? Is this, is this something, is, or is he simply giving us a mantra? Is, is Jesus giving us something that we can endlessly repeat over and over and over again by rote? Or is Jesus giving us a pattern on which we can base our own prayers? And I think what we have here is much more than a formula. What we have here is a pattern, and a pattern that you and I can follow. So let's see if we can form uh, some principles here that Jesus' prayer that he taught us here is a pattern for our own prayers. The first thing Jesus teaches us is that prayer is basically a private matter between the worshiper and God the Father. It's basically something private between you and God the Father. Now, Jesus talked about acts of righteousness, and the Jews had three chief acts of righteousness. They were almsgiving, giving to the poor, they were prayer, and they were fasting. And Jesus said, when you do those things, he says, don't do it in public. He said, you do, that things, you do those things in secret. He commanded us to do these things so that others would praise our Father in heaven. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Verses 14 to 16, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, and then he said, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise whom your Father who is in heaven, not you, but to praise your Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus give, gives them warning. He says, Don't do these things to be praised by people. He said, If you ignore them, my warning, you will get what you want. You will get recognition from other people, but you will get nothing more. And then Jesus says, do what is right, but do it secretly. And he says that our Father who sees in secret will reward openly. In other words, here it is. Think about this. It is right to do right for the right reason, but it is wrong to do right for the wrong reason. Does that make sense? It is right to do right for the right reason, but it is wrong to do right for the wrong reason. You've got to think about what's my motivation behind this thing. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because God commands me to do it and I'm doing it in secret? Or am I doing to get recognition and praise and adoration and adulation and all those other words 
from my fellow people. And so then Jesus gets into this thing about praying, and he says there's three kinds of people that like to pray. And Jenny, if you would help me out there, the first one he talks about are the hypocrites, the Pharisees. Pardon me? No, I want that first slide. Okay. I want the other slide, actually. All right. Jesus said there are basically three kinds of prayers. Okay, there are the hypocrites, the Pharisees, and the word hypocrite means to be an actor or a pretender, someone that you really aren't. You're, you're pretending to be someone who you're really not. And so Jesus said these kinds of prayers, they love to pray in public. Why? Because they can be seen by other people. Other people will admire them. Uh, the message by Eugene Peterson says they make a theater theatrical production out of their prayers. They're hoping for stardom, thinking that God is in the audience. And the trouble with praying like this, if you love to pray for show, if you love to pray for other people, if you love to pray in public so that people can hear how good you are, the reality is that, that everything you're going to get, you get here already on earth when you do this thing. And so Jesus said, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Don't pray like that, Jesus said. Then there's another group of people, and he calls them pagans. The pagans, the word that, that is used uh, in, in the original New Testament writings there is ethnikos. It, it means the, the eth ethnic people, the people other than the Jews, the outsiders is basically what it means. And, and they, Jesus said, don't babble like them, or, or one of the versions says, don't use vain repetitions. They keep the same thing going over and over again, thinking that they will be heard because of their many words. And maybe that's kind of like my dad saying, our father, that means uh, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And my dad would say that three times a day, at least. Uh, and maybe it's kind of like that. Uh, there are places, like you can go, for instance, and, and when I was in Jerusalem, you can write a prayer request on a little piece of paper and roll it up very tight, and you can stick it in the wailing wall in between the cracks and the stones uh, in, in little corners, and you can stick those little rolled up pieces, and there's, there's little pieces of paper all over, and uh, when you stick them in the wailing wall, then they keep getting prayed over, or you can... You can make a prayer wheel and, and have it go around or have prayer flags flapping in the wind or, or whatever else or, or some people light candles or whatever all else. And, and Jesus said, don't pray like that either. Now, this praying in public, it's not wrong like the hypocrites do. Jesus did pray it in public. But check your motivation and how you are praying. For instance... Uh, there are some sports players that make uh, a big show of prayer after a big play. And Mike Gardner, who was a past president of the National Hockey League Players Association, said that he knew some of these athletes and that their lives did not match up to their testimonies. And so we need to learn to pray in private and in secret. Uh, 
Moody says, a man who prays, Dwight Moody, uh, founder of Moody Bible Institute, says, a man who prays much in private will make short prayers in public. But if you babble, uh, sometimes, you know, we think that we will be heard because of our many words. It's like this little boy who was heard by his pastor in church. This little boy was praying fervently. But much to the pastor's surprise, he was also heard to say from time to time, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. So when the service was over, the minister, the pastor, went to the boy and said, Son, I was very pleased to see you praying, but tell me, why did you keep saying Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo? The little boy replied, Well, you see, sir, I have just been taking my social studies exam in school, and I have been praying to the Lord to make Tokyo the capital of France. Now, Jesus prayed at length. He did. I mean, uh, when Jesus prayed in, in the garden, he prayed the disciples to sleep. Like Jesus prayed at length, and that's not wrong. He also repeated himself. But you need to be careful about too many words. Um, here's, here's a story. Where did it go? Um, a man by the name of, of Grenfell tells us in his autobiography that he was converted through, he became a Christian through Moody's common sense, D.L. Moody. Moody had asked a minister to lead in prayer at a great meeting. This good man began, began a long oratorical effort in praying. Young Grenfell was bored and grabbed his hat, meaning to escape the service, when Moody cried out, let us sing a hymn while our brother finishes his prayer. And Grenfell was delighted at the remark and remained and was converted to Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says, Jesus said, don't pray like that. Okay, there are people who babble, who repeat the same things over and over, and they think they will be heard because of their many words. And so Jesus said about that, don't be like that. You're not to be like that. Why? Because your father, your father knows, already knows what you want before you ask. Now, the passage that Dave read for us in, in Luke talks about importunity or persistence in prayer. There's certainly that side of that too. But we need to be careful that we don't think if we bombard God with a whole pile of words that he's going to be uh, too busy with us to listen to anybody else and therefore we'll get what we want. You know, I don't think ever God says, you know, it's him again. Um, but Jesus told us that prayer is more than simply repeating a formula. You don't need big words. You don't need fancy language. You don't need preachy voice. You don't need long effort. You don't need churchy jargon. Um, A man by the name of Wilbur Chapman wrote to some of his friends, I have learned some great lessons concerning prayer. At one of our missions in England, the audience was exceedingly small, but I received a note saying that an American missionary was going to pray for God's blessing down on our work. He was known as Praying Hyde. Almost instantly, the tide turned. The hall became packed, and at my first invitation, 50 men accepted Christ as their Savior. 
as we were leaving, I said, Mr. Hyde, I want you to pray for me. He came to my room, turned the key in the door, and dropped on his knees, and waited five minutes without a single syllable coming from his lips. I could hear my own heart thumping and his beating. I felt hot tears running down my face. I knew I was with God. Then with upturned face, down while the tears were streaming, he said, Oh, God. And then for five minutes at least, he was still again. And then when he knew that he was talking with God, there came from the depths of his heart such petitions for me as I had never heard before. I rose from my knees to know what real prayer was. We believe that prayer is mighty, and we believe as we never did before. And someone has said that the best prayers often contains more groans than word. So how do we pray? Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room. It's a private matter between you and God. You need a place to pray. Kathy and I one summer did, did a summer ministry with Northern Canada Evangelical Mission. Our place of prayer was our car. One of us would stay in the cabin and the other would go outside to pray. You need a place to pray. When you pray, close the door, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and then this is how you should pray. Jesus said, pray to whom? Your Father. And then he said, this is how you should pray. You don't start your prayers by saying, dear God, or whomever. You pray, Jesus said, pray to your Father. And then this is how you should pray. And so then he gives us the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer. But often when we pray, Jenny, if we could have that next slide now, the one that we all thought was hilarious. This is what you see in the newspaper. My granddaughter just bought a Maple Leah doll. If you don't know what it is, talk to one of the young girls. They will tell you. And um, So we write these letters to Santa, or the kids do. I want a new Maple Leah doll, an Xbox 360, a fire truck, a computer, a remote control, a helicopter, poly pocket clothes, a puppy, a dirt bike, and a pony. Right? And so then you qualify that, or the kids, they, and say, I've been pretty good for most of the year and I'll leave you some cookies or milk. That's, that's a little bit of a, uh, a teaser, okay? So then here's how we pray. Dear God, I would like a new shoulder, knee, or hip, freedom from pain and hassles, lots of money, a better car, a different job, different spouse, new boyfriend, a girlfriend, a pony, and a place to keep it, and more toys than my neighbor has. By the way, I've been pretty good most of the time, and I will go to church next Sunday and put some money in the plate, your friend, etc. True? I'm guilty. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, we've got a few that are interested. Nah, not me. And so here's this pattern. And if you want to keep it simple, there are basically three components to this prayer, and we're going to pull it apart a little further. But there is the uplook, where we look at God the Father, where we worship him, our Father who art in heaven. He is our Father. 
He is in heaven. Hallowed be his name. His name be holy, praised, whatever. He is high and supreme. There is the uplook. There is the inlook where we look at ourselves. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. And then there's the outlook where we also talk about as we, has also, as we have also forgiven our debtors. But it starts with worship. There is reverence in that prayer. There is a desire for God's kingdom. There is a submission to his will. There is a petition for our physical needs and for our spiritual needs and for deliverance from temptation and evil. Why do we need a pattern? So that we can pray better. It's not a prayer that we are to recite mindlessly, but a pattern that we can use creatively and thoughtfully. And I don't know about you, but how do you not become repetitive at thanking God for your food? And one of my quick ones is, thank you, God, for my food and for my wife and for my life. You know, like, like and, and so how do, you, how do you creatively thank God for what you have before you eat? It's difficult not to become repetitive, but it also takes a moment or two to think about it. And so the Lord's Prayer is much more than a formula. It forms a pattern that needs to be studied and implemented. Uh, a pattern is not an article of clothing or a furniture. A pattern is a guide for building something, for making something, for constructing something. And that's what we have here. And I trust that God will give us wisdom. I hear the clinking of cutlery out there. There's stuff that is cooking. And so we need to stop. We're going to go eat. And uh, for those of you, Bible school staff, students, uh, please stay with us. We would love to get to know you better. And uh, for the rest of you, if you didn't bring any food, join us anyway. Uh, what we're going to do here, uh, I, Mrs. K isn't here. She's usually in charge and has better ideas than what I do. But my suggestion is that we say grace. We thank the Lord for the food in here then I would ask you to exit and go into the auditorium, not through the kitchen, but through that side. You can either go around the back or head out that door or whatever. And then my thinking is that we let um, the, the people with, with small children go first and then our seniors uh, and then um, the rest of us, okay? Uh, there will be lots of food, uh, but please, um, yeah. That's all we need to say. So let's, let's return thanks in here, and then uh, you can just go in there and um, probably um, start serving yourself and find a place to sit. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being your family. Thank you for the privilege of calling you Father, that you see the things that we do in secret, that you know our needs before we even ask them, and Lord, forgive us for treating you like Santa Claus sometimes and bringing you this want list of stuff that, that we think will make us happy. But Father, help us to learn. Help us to, to grow. Help us to use this pattern to worship, to pray better, and to better communicate with you and to be better members of your family. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the food that's out there, for the place we have to eat it, for the new tables and chairs for all the work that's been done. Lord, we just pray your blessing upon that food that, that we might become stronger and more useful to you. And we pray your blessing on our time of fellowship. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.